If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another episode of the One Year No Beer podcast. Today I am flying solo. So low, flying so low, so low, and so low. Um, today I'm flying solo and um, just coming to you with some interesting insights from talking to so many members and people all over the world about their relationship with alcohol. I hope that some of this podcast um, inspires. I hope some of this podcast educates. And most importantly, I hope whoever is listening to this podcast that you resonate with some of the things that people say and that some of this podcast helps you just think about things a little bit differently. I think that's it really. Like if every single week we can bring a topic or some information to you, some education, some science, it just helps you think a little bit differently, then we're all growing together, aren't we? We're all learning and improving. And that's all this journey is about. It's just about progress and taking one footstep in front of the other. So, first of all, let me ask you this question. Do you feel inside that you've got more to give? Do you feel like you can be more or do more? Do you feel like some of the things in your life perhaps are getting in the way? Now, Maybe if you listen to this podcast, you're not drinking, or if you're listening to this podcast, maybe you are drinking. But if alcohol is prevalent in your life, then I think that answer should always be, yeah. Because if we're honest about alcohol, alcohol takes a lot of time, a lot of energy. It takes a lot of brain processing. You know, the, the processing for the next day is pretty negative. The processing for the next few days is perhaps negative, anxious, more depressed, things like that. So it's quite costly. Now, if you're trying to do big things in the world, whether you've already done that, built a business, built a successful career, and you've done that despite, despite the claws of alcohol in your life holding you back, then imagine what life could be like if you were free from that. Imagine what life could be like if you could find an increase in performance. If you could find better relationships, better relationship with yourself, less self-criticism, self-judgment, more self-esteem, more self-worth, more confidence, less anxiousness, less depression, less sadness, less malaise in your life, just like meh, feeling meh. Imagine you could have that all the time, that energy. Okay, not 100% of the time, we're not turning you into superhumans, but I think that's the reality, that when you get control of alcohol, most people find another way forward, another level. So what we really want to have a conversation about is about what are the things that make you feel like you need to take the edge off? 
what are the things that make you feel like that when you're around other people, you need alcohol? What are the things that when you're stressed, when you have a lot of emotion, you feel like you need a drink to cope, as an example? Now, there's lots and lots and lots of other factors in there, but let's ask the question is, really before that, what is it that's going on? What's driving that? When you go to town to unlocking that, when you go to town to feeling your feelings, knowing your self, trying to unlock some of these patterns of your past, of course you're going to change way more than just your relationship with alcohol. Because it's not just how you're drinking, it's how you're showing up at work. It's how you're showing up in your relationships, in your personal life. It's how you're showing up for your health. It's how you're showing up for yourself. It's how you're showing up for your kids. It's how you're showing up everywhere. So the want to be and do more, that I know I can be more, is really suppressed and held down by alcohol. But here's the thing, right? Not only is it held down by alcohol, the fact that you're holding yourself down means that you feel you need to drink. So what do I mean by that? But let's take the job as an example. Maybe the job you just don't love anymore. Maybe the business you don't love anymore. Maybe you just had enough. Maybe you're bored. Now, what goes along with that is, I just need to take the edge off. I need to numb out the noise in my head at the end of the day. Because actually, I'm not really truly happy where I am. And this can be a really, really big thing for some people. I've had one of the highest level members of one of the world's largest banks through our program. And he realized on the program that the finance industry doesn't really cut it for him. But he's like, look, I've spent my life in it, built an enormous career, friends around it, everything. I, I can't change that. So are you saying that I'm always going to want to numb out as long as I'm in this job? And I'm saying, yes, but no. So yes, is true. The job will be driving some of those behaviors. But direction is as powerful, if not more powerful, than destination. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let's say you discover that you're unhappy in a certain circumstance or a certain place. When the way the brain works, the way we are goal oriented, that when you get very clear about the direction that you need and or want to go, and that direction is aligned with your sense of meaning and purpose and what fulfills you and makes you wake up in the morning going, yeah, I'm alive and I'm so happy and I'm excited to do what is on my plate today because I just love what I'm doing, even if that's just 10% of your day, even if that's just your, your hobby or your side project or your side hustle, that that direction is enough to calm down a lot, if not all, of that lack of sense of meaning and purpose in your life. So in this specific example, because the destination of him being and doing a completely different thing would be very difficult to get out of that very powerful job very successful life that he's built for himself, 
All he needed to do was start taking the direction. So the question was, what was the direction? And for him, inside was this deep-seated need to help others. Now, this is extremely common. I'll come back to this about why this is so common, especially with people who find a more intense relationship with compulsive behaviors. Let's put it like that, especially alcohol. So he realized that he needed to help others and give back. So we kind of coached him a little bit, and he came up with this idea that what if he set up a area or department to coach the junior executives to come up to be in the senior executive team? And he could feel like he was contributing in a way to people's lives and livelihoods and helping other people by coaching them to move up. Now, he put forward that to the board. They passed it, and he created this area of his role. We check in with him some six months later, and he is absolutely over the moon, like feeling really connected back to his job again because he's helping others. So despite him feeling something about that industry or perhaps some of the people he was around, or all those complexities, that's how I felt, the reality is he could take some direction and change slightly, and a lot of that calmed down. Okay, so that's quite a powerful one. A minute ago, I sort of touched on something that we have a high propensity for people who realize after removing alcohol, after changing their relationship with alcohol, that they need to give back. Why is that? Well, let me explain. One of the best coping mechanisms we are taught in our lives to cope with our emotions is, first of all, pack them down and ignore them. They're there, move on. And second, alcohol is amazing at numbing out those thoughts and feelings. So we become very used to just packing it all down and ignoring those feelings. But those feelings are trying to tell us something. And that many, 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 many years of packing down feelings, guess what happens? It starts to cause rot in our lives. It causes issues because we're not being true to ourselves. We're not really listening to what's going on inside. The key thing here is that the higher level of emotions, so you could call people with very high level of emotions empaths or highly empathic, people with high level of emotions tend to then turn to things that help them quell or calm down those emotions, like drink and drugs. So the more empathic you are, the more likely you are to find that compulsive behavior comes in. And that could be emotional eating or other kind of addictions, whatever it is, because those emotions are tough for you to handle. So when we then go through a process of removing those compulsive behaviors, but also starting to help you understand that these emotions are good, they're great, they're wonderful. Let them come, let them flow, feel them, right? What is in the fullness of those emotions and allowing those emotions to feel and understanding where they come from, from your past and linking back to previous things that are not even relevant today, that we're being triggered by because a child is crying or because we're tired or angry and then we get connected to this old emotion of the past and we think it's today. And that old emotion starts to just control us that we want to have a drink. But when we really feel it, when we really feel those emotions, they tell us, look, you need to help others. This is what empaths were put on the planet for. If you are not helping other people, you're going to feel that and you're going to want to numb out with a drink. So Learning to feel your emotions, learning to process your emotions, 
And then discovering what those emotions are trying to say to you is really a core part of what's going on here. And then once you can hear them, then you know what direction to go with. The direction is going to help quell down a lot of that desire in the first place. Okay. Let's pause just for a brief moment. I just want to share with you some of the heartfelt feedback from our incredible Complete Control community members. Listen to this. I, I don't know how I signed up. I think I just got an ad on Instagram and just got a whim, just hit the button and did a call and then signed up and didn't really consciously think much about it. And then after that, I was like, what did I just sign up for? Wait a second here. Like, far exceeded my expectations. I'm usually extremely skeptical, so I don't know how I even signed up in the first place, but whatever it was. Um, so it's just amazing how, like, the transformation that I've seen and even the drinking part is just kind of the super... It was the Achilles heel, but it's kind of just the superficial problem. And it's like, once I kind of clear that up, there's so much more possibility. And, and you know, the exploration discussions with Gary, with Candace have just been so powerful and kind of, they both kind of focus on a different area. And then with Glenn kind of looking at my data and with my co cohorts or classmates or, you know, it's just been just, everything has just been so powerful and kind of supportive of you know completing the whole picture of how i do this um so just really grateful and and uh yeah and and, and also just feel more grateful and not only just for all of you but just just in life in general it's just a little bit more clarity and peace and calm and 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 so forth so i am incredibly grateful for this entire program everybody on this call and everything that we were able to experience. Um, I think that it delivered more than I expected, honestly. I, I, like I've said before, I've done a couple of like challenges and different things. And I think that this, beyond um, examining my relationship with alcohol and making, I think, pretty good strides in, in um, staying alcohol free, um, I think it taught me a ton about myself and how to like examine my habits and my thoughts and those kind of um, patterns and ways to ways to approach the things that worried me the most in this in this experience um, have just been invaluable. I think I'm leaving feeling um, in stronger in general, more self-aware in general, and. Um, just really more anchored in who I want to be and what my values are and how I can, you know, take better steps to achieve those. So it's been fantastic for me. And then again, the, our team, I, I really um, appreciate all the feedback and support from every single person on this call, but my cohort as well. It's been great. So I love everybody that I've met here. I have loved the program. I am not uh, an emotional person like this, but this has changed my life. It, it, it has given me a life. Um, and there's other things I need to do too, um, but I don't have to do a call anymore. So thank you. It's been an amazing journey and a very, I appreciate the professionalism. Whenever I feel the stress, I, there's, there's something that I can go back to, to everybody and the sharing from everybody and the professionalism of the program. So I loved it. And I've grown a lot. So, oops, and kisses. One word is transformational. That's a word that's been bandied about for decades. 
But in this, it is absolutely accurate, if I was to use one word. This was a great investment. It's not it's not self-help, it's self-realization. It's um super powerful. But it, it exceeded my expectations. Or maybe it was Sharon who said that. Um uh or maybe I'm exceeding my expectations. And I like that. I mean, the program has been hugely a huge growth at some program. I think the journey of for myself has been amazing. I mean, I remember telling, I don't know if it was Candace or Gary, the first three or four weeks of the program, I was like, I can't stop thinking about not drinking. It's just, it's in my head. Every day I'm thinking about not drinking. And it's it's like now I'm not even thinking, you know, it's just like my life has sort of stepped on. I'm excited about the future. Um, Things are looking good. Things are looking good. I just love sharing the things people are saying about our complete control program. Okay, let's get back into the episode. This links me on to another one, which is somebody asked, how do we limit ourselves and why is that relevant to our drinking? So a lot of us had troublesome things or difficult things happen to us during our childhood. It doesn't matter what the severity of those things were. It could be a crossword said in a playground. It could be something of, you're just a which everyone's had at some point. But in that moment, we didn't really know, with a child's mind, we don't know how to process that. We don't know how to process the deep level of emotion. And what's worse, nine times out of ten, our parents, they didn't know what to do. And so when we came home and we were frustrated and tired and they sent us to a room for being grumpy or angry, it compounded all of those things. And it drives down this big layer of impactful, painful emotion. And in shape, it affects our brain. It affects our ego and how we process who we are as a person. And we build up this ego. And in part of it, it's like, you're not worthy. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. And as we go through our life, we create situations to prove that we're not worthy. When they happen, we go, I told you, you're not worthy. Oh, you came second place. I told you, you're not worthy. Oh, I feel so wounded from that. Somebody leaves you. See, you're not worthy. And this is going on and on and on and on. And there are loads of these in your mind. There are loads of these patterns that you created during your childhood that you are seeking validation for subconsciously every single day. So think about this from a sports person, okay? You've got two athletes lining up, and there's one athlete there who is trained in visualization, who is absolutely focused. He's done all his breath work. He's there. He's like, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I'm a winner. He feels it deep at his core. He's not just saying it to himself. He's won and won and won. He's won the last 36 races out of 36 This guy is standing on the corner ready to absolutely go. And then the person beside him is, I know I can win. I'm going to win. You're not worthy. You're not worthy of winning. You're not worthy. Now, who is going to perform better? Who's going to win the race? So this is the race that you're in every day. You're doing this to yourself. These things that you say about yourself are controlling everything, your relationships, who you are, 
how you show up at work. And don't get me wrong, I speak to incredibly successful business owners and executives. I, I spoke to one lady who we coached on the program. She'd ri risen meteorically at a major pharmaceutical. Huge success in her life. And there she was sitting in the number two position. There she was wondering for the last five years why she wasn't in the number one seat. Now, we do some work with her and we help her understand that she has an exact pattern running in her head is that you're not good enough. And the words were said to her so many times as a child, you'll never be good enough. She turned that and some people turn it into absolute decision to just be unworthy and they go into addiction and they go into trouble and it falls off a cliff like that. And there are so many examples of society where there are brother and sister and they had a similar upbringing. Of course, every child has a different upbringing because it's about the perceiver, not about what was going on in their life. And yet one turns to terrible, you know, poor issues in life, addiction, things like that. And the other one rises to meteoric success. And that's the way they handle differences in handling the same repetitive beliefs that they've got. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. So here she had meteorically risen, huge successful career, but not to the top. And do you know why she could never reach the top? Because she's not good enough to reach the top. She would never be good enough to reach the top. So for her, she will live in a life of never being good enough, but of constantly striving to prove people that she is, to try and prove to people that she is. Can you imagine how exhausting that is? Can you imagine running that pattern every single day where you're always going to take second place? Because you believe you're striving so hard, and yet this saboteur is cutting you off at the end. Now, the thing about the pattern is when we link it back to a specific event, and for her, there was an event, a very specific event that she was clear on around about four years old, that she got conscious of that, conscious of the words that somebody was saying, and then she can choose to say something differently. I know in that moment that person didn't mean that. I know that they were doing their best with what they had, and they didn't really understand. I know I am good enough. Look at what I've created. Look at what I've done in the world. Look at what I am doing in the world. I am good enough. I know I'm good enough. Now, part of they call that reparenting. The, the, the child inside us, understanding the child inside us is the one that is not good enough. It's not you, it's the child. I actually learned this, and it's a fascinating, fascinating thing from a guy who does a lot of work with me. Um, he trained for 15 years at the Carl Jung Institute in New York. I've done a lot of work with him. He's an amazing, amazing man. And he helped me understand that the feelings I felt when I felt depressed, when I felt sad, and you know, being ADHD, I can really see the highs and I can see the lows. But when I hit the lows, it's tough. And he helped me understand that those lows are not of the lows today. Those, those lows are actually the lows of my childhood. And what happens is, is the inner child has that so locked. It's locked in the inner child emotionally. And it's locked inside our ego in patterns and patterns and self-defense that we run. So every time I have a difficult time, like you, I'm sure, every day, but those things happen, along comes the issue of today and what comes rushing in, which is so much greater in the side. Because remember what I said earlier, 
The child did not have the same tools you have today. The child didn't have the same perceptions, the understanding, the same foundation, the same confidence and belief, the same ability to understand that you control your environment, that you are owning your life. So the child, when the child felt the feeling, felt it like an asteroid hitting Earth. It was like cataclysmic. And that's you. You felt that. So when you bring in those old feelings and bring them with today, well, it sends you into an absolute spiral. And this is what's happening with almost everyone all over the world, all the time, is the emotion of now is, 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 is so much more conceptual and understandable. You're so much more able to deal with the true emotions you feel when you understand that the majority of the emotion is from that inner child, is from that past. Okay, I've gone quite deep into emotions here. I love going deep into emotions, <laughs> but just that concept. Think about this. Next time you feel emotion, what's the truth here? What's, what's really hurting me? What am, I, what am I really feeling? Is this an old feeling? Is this something I felt before? And here's the big one. What is the earliest memory I can remember of feeling that way? Because when you trace back the breadcrumbs, and you go back to there, that is where you start to reparent yourself. And you can give your inner child that compassion. So why is all that relevant to drinking? I'm pretty sure you can figure that out, right? Emotions are driving our drinking behavior. And alcohol's amazing at helping numbing out this stuff. But imagine, just think for me for a second, what it would be like to now think about the rest of your life instead of being caught and trapped in the emotions of the past, for you to be in a place where you say, ah, no, I know what's going on here. I can understand that. Really feel that. Let me feel that with you now. Gosh, it really hurt back then. But I don't feel that way today. And my life is actually really good. And I understand you felt that way in the past. I understand those things hurt. But I don't need to feel like that today. Hugely powerful. So, that is a big, powerful tool to helping you understand emotions and things like that. The most important thing is we're not belittling those emotions. We're not not feeling them. We're not saying pushing them down because that's of the child. You must feel them. The child needs to be felt. And do you know what? Most of us haven't allowed that ever in our lives. Have you let that cry, child truly cry? So, and it's an amazing, wonderful, wonderful, life-transforming experience when you do. A lot of this stuff is the stuff that we get to work on in complete control. I want to give you a few more tools just for helping to process some emotions um, and work through this stuff. So first of all, the emotion, the feeling and things like that, it's getting curious with it. Meditation is a really powerful tool for helping you to start to process some of these emotions. So what you can do is meditate on something you felt and allow and allow and allow. And the more you practice that, the more you're going to get in touch with these feelings and release them. That's what happens. Don't be afraid. Nothing's going to happen to you. Releasing these emotions is like finally getting the toxin out of you that is causing a lot of the problems in your life. 
So go into it. There's also a wonderful tool called focusing. Um, normally this is done with a therapist. So if you go to um, CBT or, or psychotherapy, things like that, um, you can definitely get into those emotions. There's a lot of good research around CBT and, and some psychotherapy and things like that. Our preference is to use things like somatic experiencing. Um, this is based on some theories that the body keeps the score and that a lot of our past trauma emotions are trapped inside our body. Last week, I think, or the week before, we brought out our podcast on somatic experiencing, so hopefully that was really insightful for you. Today's going to be a bit of a shorter one. I hope that was helpful to you. I'd highly recommend spending some minutes now, maybe meditating, just doing some breathing. If you can, get some quiet space and just reflect on some of the things we've talked about in the podcast today. You're amazing. Keep going on this journey. It's a wonderful journey of just making our lives better. And you know what? We're just surrounded by people who are trying to do the same thing. How awesome is that? So well done to you. Keep going.